With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's time for the World Arm Wrestling League this week. I'm your host, Neil Pickup, and it is on. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to World Arm Wrestling League this week. I'm your host, Neil Pickup. This is show number 18 of this year, and we're fast approaching World Arm Wrestling League's 505 event, Tulsa, Oklahoma. On August 15th from 8pm, we will see possibly the best card of the season. On paper, at least, after looking at the stellar lineup of matches that are going to take place at the event, that's certainly an argument that could be made. As usual, we will see a mix of established faces on the card as well as some exciting new debutants. The first of which will be Danny Tesh from Australia. He will face the warrior Quinlan Mendez in a much anticipated matchup in the middleweight division. In the ladies' class, the outstanding Brazilian Tatiana Faria will take her bow in this season's events. She faces the Swede Victoria Carlson who, as we've seen earlier in the season, is in devastating form and seems to be improving every time out in the World Arm Wrestling League. This lady's encounter has got battle written all over it. When Australia's Ryan Bowen made his debut in the World Arm Wrestling League, I personally didn't think that I'd ever meet anybody who was more elated to have the opportunity to get it on under the big lights. Adam Wilmot may have surpassed that level of excitement. Wilmot will face the Hale Razor, Jeff Hale, who's on home soil in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And Wilmot is hungry for success. Has he bitten off more than he can chew with Jeff Hale? Will the Hale Razor take his soul at 5.05? We will find out on August 15th. As Supermatch Series debutant Adam the Angry Bird Wilmot tries to seize this tremendous opportunity that he now finds in front of him. In a season in which the heavyweights have dominated all the conversation, WAL 505 will be no exception as we welcome two of the most highly anticipated matchups that we have ever seen in the World Arm Wrestling League. The man from Red Deer, Canada, Wild Horse, Matt Mask, resurgent after his victory over Sylvain Perron, will return, standing in for the injured Marcio Barboza to welcome the outstanding gladiator, Hermes Gasparini of Italy. This is a man with a gang of reputation that's following him over the Atlantic and he will clash with a fellow super top roller. Hermes Gasparini has tangled with some of the biggest, strongest men on the planet and fared exceptionally well. 
but has he ever faced anyone quite like Matt Mask, six foot seven of nightmarish explosivity, who's perfectly designed for maximum speed? Let's be honest, have you ever before seen a physical giant who, as part of God's perfect design, was afforded hair with the same style and texture as a four-month-old baby? And last, but definitely not least, in Tulsa, at 5.05, we finally get to see what happens when the irresistible force crashes headlong into the immovable object. It's the battle for the strongest ginger arm wrestler in the history of the world. The Ginger Dreadman, Jerry Cataret, will face Toddzilla, Todd Hutchins, in a battle of men who do not have a backward step in their entire arsenal. Both these men are known throughout the circuit for their unusual, brutal style of arm wrestling. Unorthodox, but very, very effective. Cadaret wants to power through Hutchins in order to underline the fact that he believes he should get the title shot in Atlanta, where he feels that he can once again beat Michael Todd and this time in doing so, wrench the hammer from the grasp of the man from Little Rock. Todd Hutchins, his opponent, knows a little bit about hammers. He's won a few right here in the World Arm Wrestling League, where he once dominated and reigned supreme over the middleweight division. Having stepped up to the heavyweight class, Hutchins has proven that he is a man that must be taken very seriously by anyone in the super heavyweight division. But surely, a victory against the Gingerdread Man would be the biggest, most impressive win of Hutchins' illustrious career. And in the potential absence of the currently slightly injured Devon Larratt, Hutchins could also secure his shot at the hammer if he can get through Cadaret. But where is Todd Hutchins' confidence barometer as he heads into the match against the biggest man that he's ever faced in the World Arm Wrestling League? Well, in today's show, we get the chance to find out. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest on this week's episode is none other than Toddzilla, Todd Hutchins. Ladies and gentlemen, I am on the line with Toddzilla, Todd Hutchins. Todd, welcome back to the show, buddy. Uh, thanks, Neil. Welcome to Ohio. I'll tell you what, mate. Big, big match ahead. I mean... Let's be honest, you have, you're a middleweight. You've always been a middleweight and you've stepped up into the heavyweight division. You've faced some of the biggest, baddest men out there. I mean, you've faced explosivity and power in Marcio Barbosa. You've faced height and length, leverage in Matt Mask. Now you're just facing a walking wall <laughs> in Jerry Cataret. This is a very very big man. I think you actually said to me the last time we we uh, were on one of these calls that you were a bit concerned about where the next term was because everybody that's left in the division is like 300 pounds. <laughs> oh, exactly right. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I suspect I'll probably get hurt pulling Jerry. But Jerry's, Jerry's important to me because he's the doorway to the top tier of the super heavyweights. You know, oh, without beat, question. Had, yeah. had I beat Devin... I'd be a top-tier super heavyweight head. I'd beat Devin. But since I didn't, Jerry is, you know, that's the threshold I got to cross through this time. Now, let's talk about that a little bit, mate, because, I mean, 
the, it was very interesting, wasn't it, the Devon match? From certainly for the people that watch the match, I think one of the things that was evident there right from the off, and I wanted to get your sort of take on it, was that if it comes down to power, you were definitely in the hunt. I mean, you you guys ended up um, on one occasion where you were really deep arm on arm. And you looked like you were going nowhere. You put up a put up a tent there, and it was not moving at all. When you drove to the side, it looked like uh, Devon had to run out there and get back onto his king's move, which he's been doing very frequently. But when I spoke to Devon, he actually said, "I felt some issues with the bicep there. He started to fail my bicep, and I, I ran back." Now that says a couple of things, doesn't it? One thing it says he didn't want to risk any damage there, but what it definitely says is that you have got super heavyweight horsepower. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, <laughs> I felt good about it. I wish it would have ended differently, but having never pulled Devin before and having never pulled against the King's move before, obviously I wished I won, but yeah, I was I was pretty happy all in all with you know how it ended with all things considered. Now, this is a guy that's got very, very different tool set to the one that you face with Matt Mask, the one that you face with Devin. I mean... He's a bit more similar to yourself, Todd, in that this is a power arm wrestler. Jerry's the guy that he's all gears forward, isn't he? I mean, but I would say that you're facing the press and often the broke back press. You know, this guy doesn't really care about losing his wrist and hand. Is Are you very familiar with this style? Is this your first outing against a, a guy that pulls in this way? I don't think I've ever, I only, I don't think I've ever pulled anybody who's done that flop wrist press, except for a fellow I train with occasionally. And it's, but in all honesty, I don't know how you could ever find somebody to simulate Jerry in practice. So, yeah, you, you know, you watch the tapes, you see how other people do and you say, well, I can't copy him. I can't copy him. That, that I might have a path forward to copy. So, mm-hmm. um, what, what have you been doing sort of in training to, to sort of prepare yourself to this match, mate? Because the reason I say that is the, the smart money or the, uh, the, the word on the street seems to be from the guys that have had a great deal of success with Jerry, that if you run, if you try to move back and pronate, you lose the match. If you can stay wrist on wrist, so keep connected to his arm, then he is beatable. Um, again, speaking to Devin Larratt, he said that was the thing. He was sort of fighting all his uh, every fibre of his being to not run away, to not back out of the match and to stay arm on arm and famously we saw that with Travis Pagents as well. Who, let's be honest, Jerry had always been Travis's bogeyman. And when Travis stayed wrist on wrist and moved hard to the side, he got much more success. Were you sort of, uh, have you been very aware of that? And have you been sort of practicing that? Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't have a choice. I mean, I mean, I can't top roll like John Brzezinski. Hell, I can't top roll like Ryan Espy can. And that wasn't successful for him. So, mm. but yeah, I, I have to stay inside and I can't. I probably can't allow the match to go as far to the losing side on mine as like other, the bigger people can. So it has to be centered and I can't give up any ground at the start. You know, it's will you narrow, look to sort of move down path for me? Go, oh, go on. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, mate, will you, will you look to sort of, because when we spoke to, um, when we spoke about Matt mask, you were saying, look, you know, I'm going to shorten his arm. Now, Jerry and you probably have a pretty similar arm length. I would have thought, uh, he's not he's he's not the tallest guy in the world, although he's massively developed. Do you think that uh, you'll try to grip him a little lower to 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 avoid him going to the flop? I 
I'm going to try and get our wrists close. Um, he's not, what is he? He's like 6'1", but he stands mm-hmm. up the table taller than most 6'1 people do. The way he gets up, he gets that right leg up and he, you know, he arches his back. He's, you know, he stands up to the table like uh, Pushkar used to, you know, yep. rest in peace. Yeah. And so in that motion, I'm expecting to feel a lot of side, a lot of pressure coming actually across center to me. And I'm expecting a lot of pressure coming down on my hand. Sure. So, so what I've been training is, you know, that vector. I've, I've, been, I've been training to have to push up yeah. and try and get sideways. And, yeah, I, what I don't want is his hand flopping back and <clears throat> him getting into his press. So, And, like, Chafee was able to get him into a decent wrist-to-wrist hook. Lorette was. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the two paths or, you know, I mean, those are the only two people I can benchmark. I can't benchmark John Brzezink, um top rolling him, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, mate, I was speaking to Michael Todd um, when we were we were out uh, at the last event, <clears throat> and Michael said to me, uh, because obviously one of the things that uh, Jerry's had a great deal of success against Mike of late, certainly in that last match, but Michael was chomping at the bit to get back at Jerry. I know Jerry's the same. Jerry's very, very keen to pull Mike He's all over social media uh, stating that fact, and rightly so. He's he's beaten him uh, in their last outing. And Michael Todd is running straight for that that particular hurricane. He really wants that match again. You know, he said, look, I pull Jerry again, I will dust him, I promise you. Now, what he said was that Jerry's very strong when he's in the A side in either a straight-up press, where he sort of almost got onto the bridge of the hook and then just kept behind it with the shoulder, and in the broke back wrist press but what he did say is that if you can get him anywhere off the a side so you put him on the b side a bit his power halves he's nowhere near as strong in defense as he is in attack and 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 that seems to be the key to victory with all arm wrestlers who pull in that fashion very similar uh with florida hogland and other great pressers so and and it's interesting to me that whilst you're not as big as jerry one thing you seem to display in all your other matches is massive side pressure and tremendous hooking strength. So it's, do you feel as confident? I mean, there's a lot of money on you. There's a lot of people saying, oh, you know what? I think I think Todd can pull this off. Is that something you feel that this might be stylistically a little bit m- more towards you? I would, I like the idea of pulling somebody who pulls inside way more than um, like Matt and Marcio who like to go outside. I mean, I, I like that, but, you know, Michael Todd saying, oh, his power's less. Well, or his power's half. Half of a fuck ton still a lot of fucking power. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is true, mate. Dude, I like, mean, on, oh, yeah, on no given Sunday, is that man weak? <laughs> yeah, so, and he's fast. I mean, yeah. I don't know if people give him credit, but I mean, when I got a whole YouTube video compilation of Jerry, and I think he's faster than every single person he's pulled. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to take a short break right now, but please do not go anywhere. We will be right back with more from Todd Hutchins in just a few. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. If you're just joining us, we are partway through a conversation with WAL505 main event star Toddzilla. Todd Hutchins. So without further ado, let's get back into the mix and find out more from tonight's guest. 
let's be honest, Jerry Cataret is absolutely phenomenal. If you look at his career, um, he's pulled every... I mean, you know what? I, I, I'll tell you a little story. I remember going to the World Championships. It was in Virginia Beach. And I want to say 1996, okay? And there was a Canadian dude. His name was Aaron Lingell. Good arm wrestler. Really good arm wrestler. It was all over the place at that time. And um, the night before the World Championships, <laughs> when, when most people are resting their arms and don't want to do anything, right? Aaron Lingell and uh, Jerry are arm wrestling in the bar for Yukon Jack Tapes. <laughs> the night before the Worlds. The day after, Jerry went in, <laughs> pulled the super heavyweight class and, and took gold. I mean, he is, he is a bad man. There's no doubt yeah. about it. So, you know, you look at his career. He's pulled everywhere against everyone. Like I say, the, the old Yukon Jack tournaments when you had the likes of Clee Dean, Gary Goodridge, other absolute monsters. And Jerry was right there, you know, and he's still there today. So you can only take your hat off to the man. He's, he's absolutely rock strong and a real stayer. And like you say, for such a big man, he is mobile and he's super unorthodox. I think you share that probably. I don't, I've spoken to a lot of people and they say, Jesus, Todd pulls so strangely. So it's going to be kind of a weird off who's got yeah. the most unusual style, I suppose. Yeah, it'll probably yeah, it'll probably be three zero one way or another, just just because the the matchup, you know, and I and I expect that. What about straps, Todd? Do you um, do you sort of have any concern around straps? Do you think the match would be easier or harder with the strap? Because obviously, you would often look for that anchor point. And let's, if we look at your own career and you, yeah. you guys like uh, I know it's a completely different style, but guys like Rob Bidgeon had a lot more success with you without the strap. But when you get tied to you you are very, very significant. Yeah, I uh, I like the straps when the puller's trying to go outside because it allows me to sense when they're moving. Mm -hmm. But, man, I but I don't think I want a strap if I'm trying to force something inside. You know, um, I, I practiced with Dave Chafee a few weeks ago, and he likes to practice in the straps. Yeah. And, you know, to, to go inside... I almost think I don't want the strap, but the strap, what happens for me, what, what works out well for me is the strap slows the whole match down. Mm -hmm. People who hit fast, who come out of the gates really, really fast. You can't, you don't, you don't get the feedback from them if you're not in a strap. So they get like yeah. a little head start on you. But if you're tied to them, they take your wrist with you a little bit in the strap. So you don't completely lose your hand. Yep. Whereas without the strap, a fast guy can jump on your hand before your arm reacts mm -hmm. um but i'm not worried about that in this match you know <laughs> what about common opponents mate have you sort of been taking drawing any conclusions off that i mean we've, we've seen jerry pull the likes of haji zolaf you know we've seen him obviously pull the very big men guys like devon who obviously common opponent you faced very recently we saw him pull mark mask um at the end of last year in the in the uh, the final in atlanta have you studied those? Have you been watching that, or do you draw no parallels at all? I've watched the Cataract, the Lorette match, and the Mask match. They're they're on rotation on on the video channel, mm -hmm. and you know I can't top roll like what Matt does. I like I like how the match looked when Devin and him went inside, 
And the match where Jerry and Dave are practicing um, gives me hope. But, of course, you know, fuck, I'm not Devin or Dave. (laughs) But those are the paths forward. I mean, I just see... I see Jerry just crush so many top rollers. Going outside against him just doesn't... That's just a poor pain tactic, you know. Mm -hmm. Except for that UAL tape where John somehow did it, you know. Yeah. He sort of... John sort of gets almost... He sort of transitions to a partial shoulder, doesn't he, as soon as he hits it? Yeah. He sort of busts the top and then then jumps behind it with the shoulder and he's sort of carved in there. But uh, Jerry goes on to win that match, doesn't he, in the UAL? I mean, he, he that was the one in... in uh, was I, it I think he Pink? won the tournament. But I <clears throat> yeah. think John won... The match I have on video, John won a match. But I think Jerry <laughs> won the overall. And then there's a Mohegan... I mean, going way, way back, there's a match with Cataract where Jerry lost to Ron Bath and John Brzezink at a Mohegan Sun tournament. But that's... Yeah, I remember That's that. going back a ways, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... I think uh, Ron exercised that same strategy of staying sort of on Jerry's wrist, which is, you know, that's fine, but it's like standing in front of a speeding train, isn't it? It's one of those where you think to yourself, have I got the balls to just do this to get in there? But, um, you know, I suppose that's something you can't estimate before you're in the match. You're going to feel how that goes. And one of the things that, that, that I'm interested to see is how that differs, if it differs at all, with the World Arm Wrestling League setups, because they are pretty unique in some respects to most of the other setups you know that how do you find the world arm wrestling league setup mate do you think it favors you or do you struggle with it i don't like it for top rollers Mm -hmm. all right but i kind of think i might like it for my match with jerry just because the pads are so mushy i mean i think i can make myself artificially shorter on a wal table than i can you know on a mazarenko table where those pads are hard yep so Uh, and I'm used to pulling people way taller than me. I don't know how often Jerry pulls somebody under six foot tall. Yeah, yeah I'm, not many times I wouldn't have thought and them be competitive, you know. Yeah. Most of the guys at that size, he tends to, well, let's be honest, he crushes most people anyway. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I, the, the, one of the things that I find fascinating about this match is the endurance thing. Because I remember speaking to John Brzezink. We were out in Poland and he said one of the most amazing things. We were actually talking about yourself and Devon. And he said, and, and I was talking to him about the endurance of Devon. And he said, I'll tell you what, who'd give him a real battle if it ever went inside? Todd. And he was training with you at that time. You know when you guys were training together for a period of time? Yeah. He said, this, he said the, 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 the endurance that Todd brings in there in that position is off the charts. Now, <laughs> one thing that I've always been impressed with with Jerry... Is exactly that. I mean, you only have to look at the recent outing with Michael. You know, seven minutes to get a bloody restart. Right. <laughs> and 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 the match you were just referring to, the UAL match with John. I don't know how long that went, but it was ridiculous, wasn't it? It was a right. long, it was, it was a long match. <laughs> so I think that's probably one of the most fascinating aspects of this match. It, it, I mean, in terms of endurance, do, have you do you work that? Is it something that you consciously practice or is it just you've got that much grunt naturally? Did you always have that when you started the sport? I think endurance just comes from heavier max efforts. I think if your max if your max lift is 100 pounds yeah. and you raise it from 100 pounds to 120 pounds, I think the uh, your endurance at pulling, say, 50 pounds goes up 20-some percent. Sure. So I don't have anything where I... Like said, like I'll train isometrics and stuff, but it's for like mm-hmm. five seconds. I don't do anything where I say, 
all right, I got to be able to go 80% for two minutes or anything. Yeah. It's interesting. I was re- I was listening to Jerry, or, or maybe I actually read something with Jerry, and he was talking about the manner in which he trains. Um, I think it was heading into the match with either Devon, or, or I think it was Devon, actually. And he said that he was bench pressing. I think he was bench pressing like 110 kilos, like, you know. I heard that. Pounds. It was his interview for hand control, and he said something like he's – benching 225 for like reps of 50 and then he's benching like 400 for like reps of 10 or some shit and i go yeah my, my max isn't even 400 pounds in this guy's rep it was ridiculous because you speak you know obviously i come I, i'm involved in the strongman sport and a lot of the guys there you speak to the your real top end strength athletes like eddie hall you know um, he only does reps when you can't get enough weight on the bar that he can only do one. You know, that's yeah. his that's his thing. He's very much around the screw reps, heavy as you can, just lift it. And if it's heavy enough, you won't need to do reps. It'll be one and two, and that's you done. But with Jerry coming out with that, saying like, you know, he's doing 220 for a hundred repetitions on bench press, <laughs> things like that. I mean, it's it's crazy numbers. Now, it fascinates me with you, mate, because I mean we've seen Ryan Bowen started training in you know under your wing in that respect, and really when we were out at the last event, we're singing the praises of how much it's helped him. But the endurance thing is like the antichrist of how you train in some respects, because you're very much max lifting, trying to increase that static strength. And that's very evident in your arm wrestling. So it's almost like the two things don't go together. And yet when we see you in grinding death wars, you seem to always be really, really comfortable in that kind of environment. And I wondered whether it was because you are, one of the few arm wrestlers that can pull ugly in the way that you can. You don't give a toss about whether your hand's there. You don't give it. You'll just find an anchor point and continue to pull. What I wanted to ask you, mate, are you are you consciously resting muscle groups when you're doing that? It uh, not so much consciously, but un- if you can get locked in, and a lot of the time it's just about matter of. Um, like it would be very hard to have a lot of endurance, say like in a bicep curl where it's all muscle, where it's soft tissue. But a lot of times in a grinding match, what you got to do is you got to get your forearm lined up in the direction that your opponent's pulling or mm-hmm. get the shoulder and stuff lined up. Try to get them to where they are pulling or pushing against the direction of your bones. Yes. Then you only have to use your hand in the soft tissue to kind of control them. If they try to get off access a little bit, you just got to try to keep your skeletal system lined up with the direction they're pulling. Um, um, and then the hook um, gets a lot easier because you got that elbow buried in there. And, the, you know, the hands are typically lower. So you've got a good anchor point with your elbow buried into the elbow pad. Tremendous. That's the point I was coming to. Do you find that varies a great deal? Because obviously we, we saw you do that with tremendous effect in Atlanta last year with Marcio when you, you sort of, took control early, then you were, you know, you're on the rocks for a couple of rounds, but then you seem to find your groove and you were really proficient at stretching him out, you know, stopping the match. And then your linearity was great. You were just pulling back on him, just kept that upward pressure all the time. You'd lost your wrist, but I think it was the deciding round. It was like 2-2. And in the last round, as soon as the match stopped, you were like, yeah. And I remember you looking at him and saying, yeah, I got it. And you knew, (laughs) you know, you were stretching him out. Is that as easy or do you find that as comfortable when you're in that deep hook or even if you cut under somebody a little bit, if they're sort of up on top of you with the shoulder? In a deep, I, I'm i able to, I feel a lot more comfortable in a deep hook only because the matches are typically lower than it's 
stopping somebody and uh, who's got you top rolled out worth your hand or, you know, if my hands bent backwards or something like that, as long as I can kind of keep my thumb pointed towards the ceiling, I still have enough skeletal structure there to, to pry against something. But it's, I mean, it's, it hurts either way, but you yeah. know, when you can, you can get the trophy easier than the other way, you know? Well, the funny one is, mate, I, um, this may, you may take some confidence from this and I'm not sure how many people have sort of drawn this parallel particularly, but one of the guys that you've had tremendous success around and when I've spoken to him about these matches, he says that you're a very awkward guy to pull is Krasimir Kostadinov, who is also a very proficient presser. He's, he's a, he's a similar in style to Jerry in some respects. He's like a smaller version of him. You know, if if Jerry's the great white, this is a Mako. He's right, you know, he's on that same track. Um, but he is really convinced that you're a really difficult guy to get the measure of in that respect. He says that he, it's hard to get you into a comfortable position where he can apply that tricep, which his game is very much geared around. Has that given you any confidence in that he is a similar, or, or have you drawn parallels between those two lads? I, I To be honest, uh, I never thought of crazy as parallel or similar to jerry mm-hmm. um i'll go back and look but see with me and when me and crazy pulled that matches always he's always first out of the gate we're wrist to wrist and he drags me to the pad and i gotta generate all kinds of up you know i gotta i gotta like not lose immediately because because uh, i'm usually really close to the pin pad yeah that's probably what makes crazy feel awkward is instead of dragging say left or back pressure I just got to generate up pressure to get some space between me and the elbow pad. Cause when you're pulling over in Europe, they're, uh, they're strict on the rules. There ain't no. Gibson, yeah. You know? so, yeah. Yeah. There's and, no uh, wild west there. Is there? It's really clinical. Somebody just try to lift vertically just to keep the hand back. But then, <laughs> you know, and if, and if Crosby's got that right leg planted and he's buried in sideways and all of a sudden his hand comes up, um, you know, it, it probably takes him out of a position a little bit. You know, because he's still hunting for the pin, and all yeah. of a sudden his hand comes up a half inch, and now his hand and shoulder are no longer where they need to be. Mm-hmm. And when you were doing that, mate, is a lot of the, the the strength still coming off the lat in your back, or are you just utilizing a lot more bicep than you would typically? It's a lot. I don't know what the actual muscle group is, but it's those muscles that run on the outside of your upper arm between your shoulder and your elbow. Okay, got it, got it, yeah, yeah. So you really, there's a lot of twisting action in that as well, yeah. which is great. One, one of the things I wanted to ask you, mate, I know when we spoke about Matt Mask, I remember you saying to me, you know, if you designed a guy uh, to beat me, this guy's got a lot of those facets. He's got a lot of the things that are problematic for me. And as a result of that, I think your confidence was relatively low. Where would your confidence barometer be going into this match with Jerry, mate? Where, if you sort of, um, you know, 100% am down, where are you? Uh, where do you figure this is? Do you see it fifty-fifty? Do you see it in his favor, your favor? Yeah, I think, I think I've got. I think I'm 60-40 to win this match with Jerry. I think Jerry will probably give it 70-30 to himself. I think the Facebook polls will probably put it in the 70-30-80-20. So, um, I think Jerry and the the Facebook polls are probably listed about the same. Um, mm-hmm. I give myself. I I don't think it's 40-60. I think I got a better chance than 40-60. I think I I like I like a 50-50 call. Of course you'll know more once it goes in. Um mm-hmm. but 
I don't know, maybe 55-45. Yeah, so it's myself. really tight. The last match, I probably gave myself 40-60-30-70 just because, you know, of, of his particular style. And because of that, that's why I looked kind of funny because I wasn't going to talk. I knew he'd come out first. I knew he'd mm-hmm. top roll me. And I knew I was going to lose my hand. I just didn't want to lose it completely. I didn't want my palm up. I wanted yep. my, my thumb up. And from there, um, you know, I, I figured my arm was stronger than Matt's upper arm. Mm-hmm. So in the strap, as long as I didn't completely lose, get my hand turned up, I figured I'd have the horsepower to dig that arm out and drag it back. Now, the other thing that's got to come into your mind, mate, let's let's wind the clock forward to September 25th. And if things go your way, if this is your match and you come through the Ginger Dreadman, you get past Jerry. There, there, you know, there is a lot of talk at the moment about the health of Devon Larratt. Devon got the win against Dave Chafee, but uh, he had to bleed to do it. And he came out of that with some serious, uh, serious issues. He was torn up pretty bad. I spoke to Devon the other night and he was still saying, look, I am in bits. Uh, he'd been on some fishing show uh, and, and said that I, even that, you know, he was feeling it just coming off the back of that. I said, where are you at? And he said, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm still sore. He said, today's the first day that I've started to be able to lift any kind of heavy weights again. And I feel like my arm won't be back it won't be in contention for september so there is a possibility that that counts devon larratt who would be the sort of uh potentially obvious choice for the finals match against michael todd out of the scenario so if you then put the jerry thing to rest and beat jerry cataret that potentially puts you in to the title shot against michael todd how do you think that one goes, mate? Is that a match you think you, you, you think you can win? Would you be excited about pulling Mike, or is, is he a bit of a horror story because of the King's move thing? Yeah. Well, it, first, there's a couple of things. At first, I think it, it seems implausible I'd get a title shot this, this early, but the fact of the matter is we're just running out of people in the class. So, yeah. you know, I mean, Michael's already pulled. I think he's pulled everybody else except Matt Mask, and I don't know why mm-hmm. that was canceled. So, I probably get a title shot just because it's my turn. Yep. Um, unlike Mike, as difficult as Jerry is to pull, Devin was a sweetheart and made a "Here's how you beat Jerry Cataret" video, which is also in my rotation. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. Nobody's made a "Here's how you beat Michael Todd" video, yep. but I've seen enough Michael Todd videos. So you know, either your push car, some plink off, John Brzezink or Cataret. So mm-hmm. it'd be real. I mean, Michael Todd. There's just ain't a lot of time there to develop a strategy. But if I pulled him and uh shit, if I made if I got a close match or won a match, then I am cemented as a top tier super heavyweight. And that's not bad for a man that's under two hundred and thirty-five pounds, you know what I mean? So my stock price goes way up if that happens. I think it. I think it has this year, Todd. To be perfectly honest, I don't think anybody can deny you that, mate. I mean, you've you've arm wrestled like an absolute star. I mean, it, it, uh, r- remarkable. I mean, everybody knew you were strong, um, but I think you've surpassed even even your, your your greatest fans' expectation in terms of just what you have been capable of, because the style in which you've contested these matches and the ones that you've won, the style in which you've won them, uh, even even the style in which you've lost the one, was uh, was really really impressive. Mate, I want to say 
I wish you the very, very best of luck. I'm really excited about this match with Jerry. I think it's a, I think it's a fascinating prospect. And with guys like um, Hermes Gasparini coming into the, the fold as well, um, I think it's a very, very exciting opportunity in the heavyweight division going forward. And one thing I would say, if you do get past Jerry and you come through relatively cleanly, I'd love it if you would come back on the show and speak to us again about the experience, mate, if that would work for you. I would I, Look, I'm always happy to talk to you, Neil. I really am. Ladies and gentlemen, Todd Hutchins. You'll see him in 505. Absolute animal at the table. This guy's a middleweight. Uh, gave up the hammer. We may see him back there at some point, but right now he's got bigger fish to fry. And the next in line is Jerry Cataret at 5.05. Make sure you do not miss that one. Ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for this evening. We've run it right to the wire, and I hope you all enjoyed hearing from Toddzilla. What a result that would be for a man who was the former middleweight champion of the world if he could secure victory over Jerry Cadaret and go on to challenge Michael Todd for the hammer in Atlanta on September 25th. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say thank you to Toddzilla for joining us on tonight's show and taking time out. And I want to thank all of you for doing the same. Thanks for tuning in and checking the show out. And I hope you will join me same time next time here on the World Arm Wrestling League this week with me, Neil Pickup. Take it easy, peeps. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and Wagering Week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line.